Welcome to Creatively Human, a podcast for online business owners and creatives that goes beyond the work and dives deep into why we do what we do, the struggles and wins we face along the way, and how we fit it all into the kind of life we want to live. I'm your host, Ruth Poundwhite, and I help creatives grow their businesses in ways that fit around their life and values. Hi, and welcome to another interview episode of the podcast. The reason I asked today's guest on, Amy, is because she does so much online. She has a blog, she has two podcasts of her own, and she's just always trying out new creative projects. But she has a whole career outside of her online presence. And I know that not everyone listening to this podcast will have their own business. So I hope that you can relate to what Amy says when she says that creativity is simply just an important part of who she is. And we also ended up talking a lot about the topic of childcare, mum guilt and the need for more flexible working, which I am always interested in hearing people's opinions on. So I hope you enjoy the interview. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Um, could you start by introducing yourself and the work that you do online? Sure. Um, my name's Amy. I live in Leeds with my husband, Paul, and my son, Benjamin, um, and our very grumpy cat, Tuna. Um, <laughs> by day, I'm a marketing operations manager at a digital marketing agency um, here in Leeds, uh, which basically just means I try and make everything organized in the marketing team. Um, whether I succeed is <laughs> for someone else to judge. Um, and then online, so also by night, I um, I do a, I run a, have a blog, um, which I've had for going on 10 years now, or they don't know that there's 10 years of archives on it, um, which is just a sort of lifestyle just diary style blog I guess um and then I also have two podcasts the first is called work like a mother um and it kind of does what it says on the tin which is all about working mums and I just interview cool people that do fun stuff and also seem to you know get it all done um and then uh one called readers gonna read um which is just about books so yeah I think that's I think that's everything <laughs> it's interesting that you said you've been blogging for 10 years that's a long time how why why did you start blogging gosh I mean I think I've probably been blogging longer than that um on various you know not I know everyone now has slick you know dot com blogs and stuff but in some form or another I'm mm. sure I've been doing it since I was mm. about 16 um I've always wanted to write I've always wanted I like when I was a kid I always wanted to be an author that is a dream yet to be realized. Um, and then I really wanted to be a journalist. Um, and I've just always loved writing. So I guess it just seemed like an obvious outlet for that, um, really. Did, um, you, did you did you have many people reading it when you first started? Or has it oh, kind God, of, no, no, yeah. no. It was super niche, like yeah. super niche. Um, and I mean, at the time, I mean, I hate to go like, oh, the golden days of blogging, because I don't believe that that was a real thing. <laughs> um, but when it first started, it was very much like an amateur situation I think I knew like one or two people who made a tiny bit of money from links on their blog back when SEO used to be quite different um but it definitely wasn't a sort of professional outlet for most people I knew it was a diary yes um, and a way of connecting with people online which all my friends thought was super weird because <laughs> obviously I think when we were younger everyone was conditioned like strange on the internet they are all paedophiles, like they're out to get you, which obviously we now know is not the case. But yeah. I think that was still that time. Um, so yeah, everyone thought it was super weird. And I sort of blogged 
I guess not secretly, but it wasn't something that I put on like my own Facebook or Twitter or anything for quite a long time, just because it was just for me. Um, and then obviously blogging changed. So I sort of changed how I did it, really. That's really interesting because I started blogging about 10 years ago. Yeah. Although before that I had like, what was it? GeoCities or something. I used to make websites back in the day. <laughs> but when I started about 10 years ago, I had like a pen name. No one read it it's, and it's not there anymore. But um, yeah, it was for me, it was a real like personal outlet. And I did actually sell some links. So you mentioned about the... Um, yeah. SEO thing and yeah I did that so it's really interesting hearing you talk about that oh yeah like old school internet was yeah. just wild west um, <laughs> but I have very fond memories of that time and I'm still in touch with a couple of people um, they don't really blog anymore but I'm still sort of Facebook friends and we kind of made that leap um, from there um, I'm actually friends with more people from my online sort of activities than I am from school so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I, I guess just to that, that openness and stuff. Yeah. And also just being a massive internet nerd, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm um, reading your blog. You you I mean you write about loads of things. Oh yeah. But I mean <laughs> I find I find loads of your posts like about motherhood, for example, like really relatable. And Thank you. is it when you when you write about stuff like that, is it is it just a way for you to just remember how things are, capture your feelings? Or is it a way for you to connect with sort of like-minded people? Um, I mean, I think sort of all of the above, to be mm -hmm. honest. I mean, I think writing my blog is how I've processed a lot of stuff in my life. Um, and I think probably the things that I haven't been able to write about for various reasons um, are probably the things that I have not dealt with quite as well, yeah. <laughs> um, you know. But um, especially like motherhood, I guess, yeah, it's partly preserving those memories. Um, like I wrote a post... Um, not about motherhood about our wedding and I wrote it I think about two days after um and I remember on the day thinking put this in the blog put this in the blog which maybe sounds a bit sad to some people but now I look back and there are things in there that I wouldn't have remembered about the day if I hadn't written mm, them down mm. so I do sometimes look back on especially you know not sort of general everyday posts but like the most important ones to me um and the same I wrote about um I didn't do a birth story for uh, for Ben when he was born because mm -hmm. um I just didn't feel super comfortable with that. But like I wrote a few little memories down of that day. And I'm sure that in the haze of early motherhood and sleep deprivation, I would have forgotten those things if I hadn't written them down. So some of it's memory keeping, some of it is definitely processing it. And I have definitely connected with people, especially around the sort of um, stuff around motherhood more recently. Um, you know, you'd be surprised. Cause I put it on my own personal Facebook and the kind of people who come out of the woodwork that you maybe haven't spoken to for a long time, you know, lost touch from uni or school or old jobs who come and say, oh, hey, actually, that's how I felt. And they maybe have never said that to me, but they were looking for someone to connect with about it as well. Yeah. And not everyone processes it and puts it out there on the internet in the same way. Mm. Um, so it definitely feels like people like ask me questions about things. I'm like, I'm not an expert, but I think just being visible about stuff makes people think like oh there's someone I can talk to <laughs> yeah and it's interesting that you said about how people from your real life have found it because do you ever find do you ever find that weird like that you're writing about your personal life and then someone who you maybe haven't been in touch with recently then like reads all about it not super weird I mean it is a little odd I guess if you think about it in a logical sense but I'm I'm a massive extrovert, which is actually mm -hmm. quite uncommon on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Most people kind of talk about their introverts and they don't really yeah, talk to yeah. people in real life. But I am a massive oversharer. I would literally talk to anyone about mm -hmm. anything. Like you chat to me on the bus, I will tell you my life story, um, which I think is partly my best and partly my worst trait, depending on who you ask. Um, 
so I, I kind of am quite open about stuff anyway so I don't find it you know I'll, I'll chat with my colleagues in the kitchen you know when we're making lunch about stuff and you know I guess some people wouldn't do that because they feel like they want things to be private and there are things that I don't put on my blog um but I so if I don't if I don't want anyone to ask me about them or I really don't want to talk about them in that kind of public forum I sort of have learned over the years obviously 10 years plus is a long time of blogging mm. um, and I've made mistakes around that before where I've shared things and then actually kind of had to backpedal and be like actually I don't feel comfortable with that being out there um I guess in that shift from like blogs being diaries to blogs being public branding marketing tools the things I don't feel comfortable talking about or don't want to talk about I just don't put on the blog at all so if it's on there I'm pretty much happy for anyone to read it anyone to know it and um, I work in a very casual um, industry and environment so it's not like oh you have to be professional or you know you don't want people to know things about you so yeah I'm always pretty happy about it to be yeah, honest that's great I mean that's a really good attitude to have to it because I'm one of the internet introverts yeah <laughs> and um, I'm always it's always hard for me to share although when I do it usually it usually has a good effect you know it helps me connect with people but then because I'm I'm so private it's hard for me to know what to share what I feel good sharing and things like that so yeah you had moments where you where you have shared something and you've been like oh actually take it back take it back (laughs) well I feel like that a lot to be honest yeah but it's not normally um it's not normally justified. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, do you do people who you know in real life kind of get get all the stuff that you do? Do they get it? Um, some do, some don't. I have like friends who, in, in like sort of real life friends who are also into blogging or um sort of onliney bits and Instagram who do who do get it. I think in, if you work in marketing generally, um, especially digital marketing, you tend to come across bloggers mm, and Instagrammers. True um just as part of the trade um so that's I mean I've never had anyone make some weird comments be like oh why do you do that like I say when when back when I was 18 and it was a bit weird because no one was really doing it and no one knew what bloggers were and they weren't celebrities and you know so while I wasn't there and whatever whereas now I think it's quite public what blogging Mm. is and and I think also at university pretty much everyone in my field generally was encouraged to start a blog whether they kept up with it or did anything with it but it was kind of like oh if you do this this is part of branding and your job and your career and stuff so more and more people I've noticed have have kind of started blogs actually I've had quite a few people that contact me and be like hey I'd really love to start a blog do you have any advice about um you know platforms and stuff I'm like this is I'll tell you all I know but definitely don't don't peg me as some sort of expert (laughs) um but yeah so I'm not sure that everyone gets it but I've never really had any like comments or anything like that kind of the opposite of getting it I guess so it's either neutral or like positive I suppose yeah that's good I mean I agree with you that that it is becoming more um well known about I think back in the day they would have just looked at you like what 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 are you doing (laughs) but now um yeah like you said there's all these like famous bloggers and things like that although sometimes they might get the wrong idea about what you might do because of that but yeah generally I find it a lot easier to talk about it now which is good and I think also it's quite public like I said I share it on my my personal Facebook and stuff so no one has questions about it because they just can see it yeah they know what it is but yeah I think I mean like so I met my husband via my blog oh wow years ago um and well I remember when we first started dating I just pretended that we've met through friends (laughs) 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 because I just 
was like it was one thing I think internet dating wasn't even really yeah. super big then either like it was a bit desperate to be like it wasn't like tinder it was like match.com like yeah, find your true yeah. love after you know um which like fair enough however you want to internet date that's not me judging you but mm. it kind of had a bit of a stigma around it which I don't think it has as much now because basically everyone's single is internet dating um and I wasn't internet dating we just happened to meet via the internet which I now realize is quite common I see a lot of people on twitter being like oh yeah I met I met my husband via twitter and stuff yeah I could imagine um, that yeah, but at the time I was like, oh, God, this is so cringe. I can't yeah. tell people. Um, and now I have to tell everyone. I was like, oh, actually, that's a really cool story. Yeah, I can't it believe is. That yeah. It's a really cool story. Like, I mean, having your blog was like totally worth it then. My blog is honestly the, well, being on Twitter and be, and having my blog has changed my life in like everything I have now I wouldn't have because of those things hmm. like if I didn't have those things um and that's really not much of an exaggeration <laughs> um so I moved to Leeds to live with my well my, I met my boy, then boyfriend now husband via my blog um and then whilst I was at uni ended up moving to Leeds to do my master's because he lived here um and also serendipitously uh, Leeds happened to do the very niche course that I was interested in hmm. um and uh I found both of the jobs that I've, like my proper career jobs, I found via Twitter, um, like loads of my friends, loads of the stuff I've done in my life has all been because of that. Um, so it's been a massive force for good for me. Yeah, that's great. So let's talk about the podcast. So yeah, I mean, you had sure. your blog for quite a while and yeah. I guess you started your first podcast quite recently, was it? Yes, I want to say it was a March, April time this year. Right. So yeah. about six less than six months ago mm. what made you start your podcast um well I've lo- I've been a podcast nerd for ages um I first started listening to podcasts um not to be like oh, I discovered it before everyone else I'm so cool no but mm. I was <laughs> so my friend turned me on to um a podcast called Sav- the savage love cast I don't know if you've ever come across it mm. um back when I was at uni so probably again coming up to well not quite 10 years ago um and um, so I'd listened to that been listening to that for years and then after Serial happened and that whole podcast boom I just sort of became addicted to podcasts generally so I've always sort of wanted to start one but never really had an idea um and then when I was on maternity leave I well basically having a baby made like made me the most creative I'd ever hmm. be yeah and that seems like that's actually quite a common experience yeah. but no one told me that would happen <laughs> me too I feel the same and actually yeah. when I was pregnant I kept hearing people say this and and just before I had him I felt sort of the least creative in a way yeah, definitely. so I was thinking oh god all these people they're so creative having a baby and I didn't really get it and then it did happen like yeah. a little while after having him it's amazing yeah, it is. And I think, I mean, this is an incredibly sort of wanky way to put this, but it's like your body is like sort of creating life. <laughs> so it just feels like all your creative force is going towards that. And like, I didn't do anything whilst I was pregnant. There was really, I did Instagram mm-hmm. and that was it. I didn't blog for months and months, um, which is a sort of my main creative outlet mm-hmm. and like, and or anything else really. And so that kind of, and then afterwards it's like, oh, I've done that bit. I've used that creative energy. It needs to go somewhere else. And so I just like I had loads of ideas for blog posts and it just kind of came to me that the idea for the podcast um I guess it makes sense because obviously it's about motherhood and probably I wouldn't yeah. have been interested in that topic had I not had a baby mm-hmm. um and I just saw like at the time when I sort of came up with the idea he must have been about sort of two or three months and it's that right when you're in it you know all day every day I was mm-hmm. at home with him on my own um kind of going about my mind um with not having any sort of creative outlet mm-hmm. um other than the blog um and like seeing like say seeing all these other women doing these incredible things and you're like how how are you doing this so I just sort of decided to ask them (laughs) did you find that that was 
something that you were yeah you were looking to figure that out for yourself as well like how the women and mothers were balancing everything and I think it's probably a less pressing concern for me now because since then I've obviously gone back to work um, I've been back at work since around the same time. I went around back to work about the same time as I launched the podcast. So again, mm. coming up to the sort of six month mark now. Um, and I really love my job, which is great. I know not everyone can say that. Yeah. Um, and it kind of, uh, motherhood gets easier for the yeah, most part, yeah. or it has to me anyway. Um, so I kind of feel like, oh yeah, now I get it. Now I get how people can do that. But at the same time, I've, I've like got to speak to all these cool women, make connections with um other mothers who are doing cool business things um, and I'm just nosy so mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to hear about people so yeah so even though it's less pressing for me now to sort of find the answer about how you can be a working mom and you know you know have it all as it were um, not that I think you can have it all but kind of going along that line yeah. um, but I yeah I still think it's it's interesting I just I just think other people's lives are interesting <laughs> definitely and aside from um getting to have all those interesting conversations what else has the podcast meant to you or what has it led to that you may have not expected um I think for me it's been a really good uh lesson in you like that I can do things which I kind of knew but Mm. not I mean how do I word this uh so it makes sense like blogging is comfortable for me. Like I say, like share, you know, some people, for some people putting, you know, writing 500 words about some like a personal experience might be quite difficult if you haven't done it, but I'm in the groove of that. So that's fairly easy for me now. I don't really struggle to put a blog post together. I don't really struggle in my day job for the most part because I've been doing it for a good few years now. I've been working at the same company for a few years. So like I know where everything is. I know who everyone is, etc. cetera. Um, so starting the podcast was actually a real like stumbling block because I was quite scared. I was scared that I'd be bad at it and mm. I'm a massive type A perfectionist. I hate to hate to fail. You know, not that anyone loves it, but mm-hmm. really not good at that sort of thing. But if I want if I wanted to do it, I just have to try. And it's quite a different skill set to all the other things that I do. Um, particularly the kind of technical side, the sort of editing and uploading and RSS feeds and other internet words that I don't always mm-hmm. completely understand, even though I've been blogging for however long. Um and interviewing someone is a bit scary. I don't know if you found that. Yeah. <laughs> um, the f- like the first couple of times, I don't find it as bad now, but the first couple of times you're like, oh, what if I'm bad? What if like it all come, you know, yeah. it, is, it does feel like it's on you rather than on the, the guest to sort of bring it together. Um, so I guess just putting it together and then putting it out there was a bit of like a, you just have to, you just have to, if you want to, if you want to be good at something, you have to start it. Mm-hmm. So kind of battle through some like anxiety and sort of imposter syndrome style feelings um and it's kind of made me a bit more confident about doing that the next time something comes along that's a bit out of my comfort zone yeah yeah Um, see what that is (laughs) (laughs) I totally relate to everything that you said there um it's been a real yeah massive learning curve for me and you've actually just started your second podcast so I'm guessing the first one was um worth it for you and especially since you've started another one I mean like I say I'm a massive extrovert so getting to talk to people just gives me so much energy like I talk I'd go on my interviews with with people and then I'd come off and I'd just be like bouncing around the house like my husband would laugh at me and be like you're just ridiculous because I'd just be like oh my god I'm just so excited it's so cool I just love everyone everyone's great Mm -hmm. (laughs) so like I got loads out of it like probably I mean it's not a it's a small fry podcast like I'm gonna you know I don't want to suggest that it's like you know thousands and thousands of downloads and Mm -hmm. ready to get sponsors and stuff it is you know relatively small but I really enjoy it and um 
basically with the second one so i used to have a book blog very briefly um just before i got pregnant called read is gonna read which is also the name of the podcast um and uh i was really enjoying that because i love reading um i always have i didn't my first degree is in english and about two or three years ago i set myself a challenge of reading 100 books in a year which like massively re like invigorated my love for books and for reading um so i thought oh, i'll write a book blog like alongside my normal blog um did it for a few months really enjoyed it um but then i got pregnant and i was exhausted as you tend to be in the first few months um and not even doing my main blog so i just thought i can't i can't do this so i just closed it down i was like right just be realistic about what you can achieve <laughs> and this is not it and then about about probably about three or four months ago um i got the domain notification renewal so the GoDaddy emailed me and say readers going to read.com is coming up for renewal like renew now or you'll lose it sort of thing and i was just like oh i really don't want to you know i actually still really love reading and i still i really enjoyed that project um so i decided to turn it into a podcast um i was already really into podcasting and it feels even though it's not easy to podcast it does take up time it felt a bit less labor intensive blogging you know if you're going to do a book blog you have to read all the books yourself pretty much yeah yeah um so yes every book you read you know every time you do that um whereas if you if I do an interview I can do that in an hour I talk to someone else about what they read I then edit it and put it up I don't necessarily have to read a whole bunch of new books myself Mm, yeah that makes sense and also I feel like blogging is maybe I hate to say that blogging is dead because I don't believe that blogging is dead and I think that that's an overblown statement Mm -hmm. but it feels a bit hard to grow from scratch Whereas I feel like a lot of people are looking for new podcasts at the moment. That feels like where the sort of internet boom is happening. Um, so that just kind of felt like a bit of a logical step, really. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I can't get enough of podcasts. I listen to so many, subscribe yeah, to do. so many. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep up. But at least you can do it while you're doing other things, which is yes, a, good, definitely. a good thing about podcasts. I think podcasts. that's part of it. I do think yeah. that's part of it. Yeah. Um, especially um, sort of, I hate you know being like this, but it's like, especially as a mum now, I can put a podcast on whilst I'm like, feeding Ben or like tidying up or driving us somewhere um whereas I don't really have a lot of time to sit down and like read loads of blogs um especially like long form blog content I'm basically sort of abandoned that for now um and not that everyone's in the same boat as me exactly but that's just feel like where I feel like I'm I'm at at the moment so and speaking of that I mean you obviously have a full life like with your job <laughs> with your son and all these different creative projects like it's not just the podcast and the blog is it I mean I've seen on your Instagram that you've been trying out all all sorts of creative things yeah I do I mean I think creativity and like really embracing creativity and that that side of myself has really kept me sane as a mum um obviously I'm only Ben is just under 14 months so I'm only new to it and I hate to be the person that's like this is how you should get through motherhood (laughs) because that's really pretentious um but essentially creativity has always sort of been a part of my life but I've been really like much fiercer about including it since he's been born because I realized oh that's how I'm going to get through this <laughs> like that's how I'm going to keep that part of myself so I just kind of try and make time as best I can and um, my mom was always quite like that as well um when I was younger she used to do a lot of and um, she was a stay-at-home mom for the most part um but she used to do loads of like she was she's a real joiner so she was in like the PTA and she ha- helped run a girls football club and she did the scouts for like my whole life. And I can't even name all the things. Oh, she used to volunteer for the charity Sands as well. She used to fundraise for them. Um, and a lot of the time those would include some sort of art project. So in our small town, we used to have a carnival every year, the Paddockwood Carnival. And I had floats. Um, I don't know if that's the thing that everyone knows about. Or whether that's just a weird small town thing. But essentially lorries with people on them yep, and lots yep. of 
decoration yeah <laughs> um and she used to make the float every year so she'd spend like the month before like painting giant banners in our living room and stuff um and I think she got that from her dad who used to do like my granddad does like cross stitch she's written like three books just for the fun of it and he's like a master of calligraphy um <sighs> so it's definitely like in the family to yeah. kind of do all those things um and it just like seemed yeah it just seems more important to me now than it did before because before there was always as much time as I wanted to do everything whereas now that I have pockets of time I'm like I want to use them more wisely yeah I feel exactly the same yeah and it's something for yourself isn't it yeah 100% yeah Um, and some of my friends are really into it as well now like um and this makes me sound super old but where we'd sort of go to bars or pubs like in the evenings and stuff now I'm probably more likely to like try and go to a creative workshop because there's loads around in Leeds and um, I went to a fabric painting workshop this week um, with two of my friends because I think especially because some of them have kids now as well it's like right well if I booked a ticket this has to happen I have to go out you don't feel terrible the next day because you've drunk loads of wine which is just much more painful <laughs> when yeah. you have a child waking <laughs> you up at 5am or whatever um, and also it's like so you can sort of especially if you do like a low-key craft that isn't like you know really difficult you can chat you can yeah you can have a bit of wine as well but you can chat and do something and you feel like you've sort of achieved something at the end of it Mm. so that's been a nice like development as well um to kind of including it more in my life so is that why you're uh, planning your own kind of creative retreat yeah a little bit um I don't I just sort of had an idea for it really I mean my dream (laughs) one is sort of like a lovely um cozy cottage where everyone comes together and like spend the whole weekend together eating stew and making bread <laughs> like knitting together um but that is probably not super feasible and I don't want to like run before I can walk but I just really like to I guess it's not quite taking the podcast into real life but like having that con- extra connection with cool creative women has been really great for me this year yeah and I guess it's kind of trying to take that into a real life setting um and I sort of my idea for it is still in the very early planning stages is sort of some group coaching um, and setting goals and talking about creativity and creative business and whatever else people are interested in. And then also like a like a creative workshop. So you do get, I do think it's a really good way to network. Mm, um, obviously, I usually go with my friends that I already know. But if I was to go to something on my own, I'd rather sit and like be trying my hand at, you know, cross stitch or whatever at, at the same time rather than just standing there being like, what do you do? Because it gives you something to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Um, like in front of you, it keeps your hands busy. So you're sort of looking down, but it means you can still sort of talk in a in a group setting, which yeah. I quite like. As an introvert, something like that would be good for me because um, it's hard yeah. to make small talk sometimes. But when you've got something going on, you can talk about that or you can get a bit distracted by that sometimes. So, yeah, I think that that helps with the whole socialising. Yeah. And I think even if you then don't necessarily say anything like you don't necessarily have to contribute to the conversation you Mm. can sort of if you want to have like a moment of just listening it doesn't look like you're just sort of sat there like oh (laughs) you know you could be oh I'm concentrating on my my you know calligraphy right now while I listen to what you say and then if you have something you know so it's kind of less pressure to be like right in it I think yeah yeah so you've got your blog you've got your podcasts you've got all your creative projects I mean do you ever feel like you're taking on too much with everything that you do all the time (laughs) All the time, all the time. Um, I am terrible for, I mean, I feel like a lot of people are going into like minimalism and mindfulness and that's just not my vibe at all. I'm like, I'll do it all. I have a million to-do lists. I'm just in it. Um, I think I've got better at being aware of how much I can take on Mm -hmm. since I've had Ben because ultimately 
have to he's my priority yeah. in terms of him if i'm here with him in the day like he well even if he wasn't my priority he'd make himself my priority um as is their want mm-hmm. um but i have been a bit more realistic it's like well i'll probably have two hours today um to do something so what can i actually get done in that time so i've cut down how many blog posts i'm doing a week um my podcast i'm doing sort of in seasons or fortnightly to try and kind of make it more manageable but yeah I often feel like I've taken on too much um I often complain about that to Paul and he's like well I'll help you but you know you, you know <laughs> that you've done that you're yeah this is not the usual uh, amount of things that people try to fit into their their days I guess ultimately it comes back to what what we were saying about how it's just it's an important part of you so yeah. although it's something that you can't give up but you just have to be sort of mindful of how much you're doing yeah and I will sometimes like last Saturday I did have a bit of a oh god I've got so much to do and I don't want to do any of it and Paul's just like just sit and watch television this afternoon like that's fine you can have tomorrow yeah. I'll I'll take Ben away for a bit and you can you know but you need to recharge because ultimately this is not a sustainable situation so I'm not always great at recognizing that um but yeah I don't, I, I don't really know how to be any other way <laughs> yeah like I'm um, I'm a massive type A, like I'm a massive overachiever, um, not in a like I'm great at everything way, but in a I want to constantly be doing stuff and, uh, you know, getting better at things and trying new things. So I just don't think that I'd ever be a person that just lets it all go and just goes, I can't do that. I'll just leave it. I'm sure ultimately it'll be great for Ben growing up with his mum, doing all these different uh, creative things. Him seeing that will be a really good thing for him. I hope so. I definitely hope so. Um, and ultimately, he doesn't have a choice in the matter. <laughs> so, so that's just what he's going to have to do. But like, like I say, that was what my mum was like. Like, he, she was a stay-at-home mum, but um, there were moments, like you know, often when it was like, "You're not my priority right now. I need to make the float. I need to um, do this thing for the scouts. I need to whatever." So mm-hmm. we sort of knew that that was an important part of her life as well, um, and that sort of filtered down to me, and I wouldn't have it any other way. So, yeah. so yeah, I do hope that he doesn't think, oh, God, my mom was just neglecting me the whole time. <laughs> no, I'm sure he won't. But um, can we talk about childcare? Because that sure. this is something that I've seen you post about online and you put him into childcare fairly young. Yeah. And I've put my little boy into childcare fairly young. And it's something that I've really sort of struggled with and I felt really guilty over it. And there's absolutely no reason, like no one has said anything bad to me about it. Yeah. But it's just, it's one of those things. I just, I feel guilty. Yeah, is it? Did you put him in? Because you, your business is sort of. Do you work from home? Yeah, I work from home, and before having yeah. him, I had all these ideas about how it might be. Yeah, yeah. And of then course. he's born, and um, you realise no, it's not. It's not sustainable for me to work in nap times and evenings. Like it's not. Yeah. At all. No, definitely not. Um, I think it's maybe easier for me because I have a day job. Mm. So at the moment, I work four days a week, and Ben goes to nursery three days. And ultimately, it's either he goes to nursery or I don't go to work. Mm-hmm. And me not going to work is not an option, yeah. um, either financially or, um, you know, emotionally. Mm. <laughs> um, so me and my husband do share the other two days. So he does five days in four. So like, um, it's not compressed hours. Is it compressed hours? Is that what the, what the official term is? Know. Anyway, he works four long, four, he works a, a full time hours, but just in four days. So he, has, he, work, he starts work at like 7 a.m um uh, which for some people is standard but in his usual nine to five is an extra couple of hours a day um and then um so he has him on Mondays and then I work four days and I have him on Fridays so I think that helps because um we're kind of sharing we're both kind of trying to make it work Mm. 
but essentially like I, I understand where the guilt comes from completely. Um, I felt guilty for like the first couple of weeks because Ben really didn't settle for yeah. like the first six weeks. Um, so I did feel bad because he was obviously really tired and really sad and he kept getting sick. And I thought, oh gosh, like he, he was quite small. He was seven or eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously I could have taken off till he was like gone one, um, like legally. But now he loves it. And actually, I almost would feel bad taking him away from nursery because <laughs> mm. they do like. Even though I am quite, I say I'm creative and I do all this stuff, I don't do that sort of thing with him because I don't want to clear up paint or glitter <laughs> yeah. or any of those things. Like I'm not a messy play mum at all. So they do all of that in nursery, and he loves it. Like he came back on Thursday just covered in green paint, like on his eyebrows, like in his hair, like he looked like he got green highlights. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we tried to clean him up as best as we could. I'm like, it's fine, <laughs> honestly. Um, so I guess I think. It, my main my main thing is how many men feel guilty about it exactly because my husband doesn't feel guilty for about it and I don't think that he should but I find it interesting that I do and he doesn't yeah oh 100% I think it's because I think especially if you work from home so it's kind of like well you are at home anyway so you could just have them there even though that's not actually practical yeah some people do manage it so I I compare myself but it's hard it's hard work I mean fair play to anyone who manages it it's hard (laughs) Uh, no it really is and I couldn't um you know I can't I can work from home a bit from my job but there's no way I could do my actual job and also look after Ben that's just not they take up your whole time yeah yeah <laughs> when he's not napping if he's not napping and my, my job is nine till five so you know he only naps for about two hours out of the day so that's not enough hours no. <laughs> uh, and essentially I have to work to pay our bills and unless me and Paul get ourselves an extra wife or husband um, <laughs> to stay at home for us which probably not likely um then he has to go to nursery so I kind of don't feel that bad about it when I was probably when Ben was probably about four months and a friend's mum uh, sadly passed away quite quite young and I won't tell the whole story because obviously it's not mine to mm-hmm. tell but I went to the funeral because I was quite close with their family and my friend gave the eulogy and what she spoke about in that in the in the speech was all the things that you would beat yourself up for as a mum so um, my friend's mum was the only working mum I knew as a child so obviously that speaks to a very privileged background yeah. I appreciate um so but I lived in the south of England in Kent all the dads worked in big fancy London jobs and all the mums stayed at home pretty much mm-hmm. for most of my childhood um and uh and Barbara was the only one who didn't and she had a really cool job she was at she used to work at an art college which meant that when she was babysitting us in the summer we used to get to go into the studio um where all the college students did all that art and there was all this cool stuff to look at and it was great and like I think probably there was probably more judgment on her then than there would be now because it was less common yeah I don't know if she ever experienced that but a lot of the stuff that yeah that Jess spoke about in in it would have been would have been the stuff that you would beat yourself up about and actually there were the things that she was saying made her feel close with her mum and that were fun and funny and that was really and obviously I would 100% rather that had not happened um and like and she could have just told me those stories herself at a different time. But it was a real wake up call at that point and saying, like, actually, time on the ground and spe- time spent in their presence isn't what's going to make him love me and isn't what is going to make me a good mum at all. Um, actually, what's going to make me a good mum is being there for him when he needs me and having fun together and, um, yeah, also enjoying my own life so that I can enjoy life with him, I suppose. Um, so it's a horrible way to have to learn that lesson. Um but it was quite a sort of 
good one for me good is such not the right word yeah, given the circumstances at all but like given that it happened at that time it just really like was a bit of a wake-up call of like okay um it's not about you know perfect pet lunches and every clo- bit of clothing being ironed and you know being chained to the stovetop at all that's not what being a good mom is at all which we all know which like yeah in our logical brains we know but in your sort of mum brain you're going yeah oh, but you could be doing more you could be doing more there's <laughs> like, obviously some sort of internalized message there from something that is cre- yeah. creating these feelings because like I said no one has said anything negative no. to me about it and nursery is pretty standard now like most people I know send their kids to nursery yeah. in some form or another um even people yeah like I say who work from home um so it is the pretty much the norm um but there is still that guilt I suppose about someone else looking after your child for such a big period of time yeah um and it's it for me it's good to see people like you and other people and people who either have a job outside the home or work from home just talking about it and just seeing it because yeah for me that made a lot of difference when you're feeling insecure about how you are as a mother or anything just seeing someone else doing it it helps it helps you feel better in that moment yeah it does and I think we're also to a certain extent on a new frontier when it comes to being working mums um and especially like now that more people are going freelance and that's kind of more common as well and there's more people running their own businesses um like I say I mean I know this is probably not the the most standard experience but yeah as a kid most of my friends moms didn't work so we don't have a model Mm. for that in the same way or I personally don't have a model for that I feel the same yeah um, and I don't know, I, I mean, I haven't actually looked at the exact st- statistics <laughs> on it. I'm like, how many people? But um, and obviously there is an element of privilege in not having to have two parents working. Um, but there was also that was, you know, the pop culture sort of vibe as well was very much, you know, The Simpsons. Marge is a stay at home mum. Yeah. I'm literally trying to think of other things that happened. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely felt like that was quite common in like what we saw um, and, and both in our real lives and sort of in sort of pop culture. Um, and that's now probably the opposite. I would say probably most people in the same, I guess, socioeconomic bracket now are two, two parent working families mm. um, in some way or another, whether someone works part time or does flexi working or works from home or something. Um so it does feel like there's maybe been a shift and that we're just trying to work it out. <laughs> yeah, and we're still working it out. And that's clear from the fact that we're even having this conversation because, I mean, if this yeah. if this podcast was uh, two men speaking, they may not have this conversation at all. And I'd like to hear more. I mean, I don't know necessarily that I want less women to talk about it. I think I want more men to. Yeah, definitely. And the whole shared parental leave and everything, that yeah. that needs to be talked about more and, and, and it should be normal, really. Yeah, and I think, I do think that's changing. Like I look at, um our friends now way more I hate the term hands-on parent as if someone was hands-on yeah, yeah. but like like I say again as a kid most dads went out to work went to London which was an hour and a half away so pretty much from door you know only really saw their kids at the weekend mm-hmm. whereas like a lot more of my friends are doing like compressed hours so they can have a day off or they're you know I know of a few people who's who have um gone part-time so that because their their partner um a female partner ha- makes more money or has a just a more fun job <laughs> um and so that's worked out best for them and i think that probably would have been un- almost unheard of yeah about when when i was young i don't think that that was really the standard at all 
Um, so I think it is shifting very slightly and very slowly. Yep. Um, like you say, shared parental leave and stuff like that is going to be a big part of it. Um, yeah. More people taking that off will be a big a big change. Yeah, my husband and I did shared parental leave. And, yeah. and because it, um, we're employed through my business, I had to ask my accountant to sort it out. And she said it was the first time she was doing it, which was really interesting. Ever yeah, that is really interesting, especially for people who have their own businesses. Yeah, I mean, and but for me, I was so, so thankful that we could do it. It made so much difference for me um, having him home with me because I found yeah. it really tough at first. Yeah, definitely. Um, we didn't really have that luxury at all because... Yeah. Um, and it is a luxury, yeah. Yeah, and uh, my maternity leave uh, was quite generous. Mm. Um, uh, but Paul's is the opposite. He only got statutory for two weeks. Mm. And essentially... We couldn't, it got, it's not even the length of time, but the money, he couldn't, we couldn't afford it. Yeah. We couldn't afford for him because he earned quite a bit more than me. Um, we couldn't afford for him to take that time off. So he took two weeks holiday, um, but he didn't take his paternity leave at all. So we probably should have saved and done it that way. But we didn't really have time. No, it's difficult. <laughs> you know, baby, and then you, it's happening on that day. You can't yeah, really yeah. change that. <laughs> so, yeah, so we didn't, he didn't even take his because, and statutory would, potentially leave is terrible two it weeks is, is a really. not time and also it's not a lot of money right. um you know even in like a traditional sort of setup where the man earns more and the woman's going to stay at home and all this kind of stuff like it's not even working then <laughs> so um so yeah definitely it'll be interesting to see how it sort of develops it feels like there's a lot of campaigns out there yeah i'm really really glad to see that yeah, and I, um, I couldn't name any off the top of my head, but I feel like I see a lot of stuff on Instagram about like flexi working, flex appeal. That's mother pucker, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, mother pucker. Yeah, 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 and then various other things like pregnancy discrimination and stuff. So, mm. um, hopefully, we'll start to see a change in that by the time our kids are coming yeah, around I to this conversation. So. Yeah. <laughs> right. So we've been talking for quite a while now. So I'm going to ask you a we couple have... of parting questions before we wrap yeah, things sure. up. Um, the first one is: How would you spend your perfect birthday? I found this so and so. You sent it to me earlier, and I found it so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I think it's probably related, like revolving around food, which I'm probably sure <laughs> most people will say. Yes. Um, I think so. Um, year before last, I had a brunch party for my birthday, which was really fun. I'd probably do that, but someone else would cook because I ended up just making a million pancakes, and it sort of wasn't um, the best way to spend a birthday. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, a really good brunch. Um, I would also want to go for like a really nice dinner somewhere probably just with Paul uh, with my husband and um there's a couple of really good restaurants in Leeds I think my favorite if it was my dream dream birthday and I didn't have to worry about the, the cost would be a, a place called Kendall's which is a French restaurant in Leeds which if anyone is listening who's from Leeds and um, probably has already heard of it but if not then definitely go there it's quite pricey but it's really really good I'd want to have a nice bath at some point and like read a book that would be dreamy probably before I went for dinner probably spend some time with Benjamin I feel like I have to throw him in there <laughs> no he is very joyful and that would be great we'd probably do something fun like just going to the park probably and uh, maybe a nice walk and going on the swings as well and also getting loads of great presents would probably be dreaming <laughs> all right second question what really inspires you I think other other creative women I think is probably my, yeah. my best answer for that um via the podcast via Instagram just the blogs of people I read um I think over the years yeah I've been really inspired by other creative women who are doing just interesting things yeah I feel like you should say like oh nature inspires me in the seasons but I don't really <laughs> that's not really how my creativity works I think it's very like 
I think because I am such a massive extrovert, yeah. it very much works in a sort of person to person, like communication way. Um, so that makes yeah, sense. I think just other other amazing women, basically. <laughs> cool. And um, where can people go to find out more about you and what you do? So my blog and like general website is amyliz.co.uk. That's A-M-Y-L-I-Z.co.uk. Um, and you can find my blog there and you can find my work like a mother is also there. Reader's Gonna Read has a separate website, which is readersgonnaread.com. Um, and you can find me on pretty much every social platform that counts on um, at Amy Liz blog. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Creatively Human. It would really help me and the podcast if you could take a moment to review, rate and subscribe. I'd also really love to hear from you on Instagram at Ruth Poundwhite, where I like to get a bit philosophical about online business. And you can find me on my website, ruthpoundwhite.com, where you can read the episode show notes, subscribe to my behind the scenes newsletter or read more about my own experience of running a creative online business.